All right, you may be seated. Take your Bibles. Listen, we have a lot of scripture to turn to today. And I thought it would be interesting today to talk back and forth with no sound. So uh, aren't you glad? Well, maybe you don't want to be glad that God gave us the ability to have sound. So. Take your Bibles. We'll start first. We're going to dive right into Luke chapter 19. Luke 19 is where we begin. And as we begin today, as we preach into the Word of God, we know the story. How do you actually preach a story from the Bible that is 2,000 plus years old that we've heard multiple times? That we've, we, The story is something that's very familiar to all of us. That's over and over again we have, I know I've been in ministry 20 plus years, and I've, I've, there's been at least 20 plus years of, of telling the triumphal entry story, telling the story of Easter, and, and then I was in church a long time before that, and how many of you guys have heard the Easter story, the resurrection story, the triumphal entry story, more than 30 times? Raise your hand, more than 30 times. All right, how about more than 40 times? More than 50 times? More than 60 times? More than 70 times? I've got still some hands up. More than 80 times? All right, here's what we need to understand this morning. The story is old, but it never gets old. Amen? Because it's our story of hope. It's the story of understanding what we have in Christ. Well, if you're taking notes today, and I, we don't have anything for you to take notes on today, uh, if you would actually take your notes, and, and there's a pen, there's a connect card there if you're a guest with us, connect with us. But let me give you some notes today. It'll be online later. I want you to look this up. If you've got notes, or you're marking your Bible, or if you have a study Bible, that'll bless you. The same story that's found here, all four Gospels have the story, the story of the tribal entry. A little bit different details. Critics of the Bible will tell you, aha, see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell different stories, so therefore they're not, uh, it's not the same story, it can't be counted for. Have you ever seen an accident, and I'm watching an investigator saying, if everybody told the same story about an accident, you would know someone's covering it up. If everyone's story is exactly the same, you know, it's, they're covering up the story. They're trying to make it better or tell the same story to make it better than it actually was or to tell it from one side or the other. And because there's inconsistencies with the story, it's just like you and I. If we saw a car accident, we said, I saw the red car hit the blue car, and, man, it was awful. The, the red car went right through the traffic light. Or you might say, I saw the light turning yellow, or I saw the blue car pull out, but the red car was like it was speeding. We'd all see different things from different angles. And these men, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, now they're coming to the Word of God. And we must start with the Word of God, with the Easter story and the triumphal entry, with, I believe it because God said so. That's it. We don't start with, uh, old preachers used to say, God said it, I believe it, that's it. That's not the end of it. If God said it, that's it. Amen? Whether you believe it or not, there's people in this world that's heard this story more than one time. These very people are standing in the presence of God Almighty and they don't believe. So for us today, how would we come to the, this text and see it and say, I can't believe, I can just walk away. Let's read uh, Luke chapter 19. We're going to pick up in verse 28. And just prior to this, you see things. Jesus has gone to Zacchaeus' home. So Luke 19. And I want to read one verse that's not in our text today. Back in Luke 19, verse 10. Do you guys remember when we went through Christmas? We said, listen, how many of you celebrated Christmas this year? Let's go and do another test. How many of you actually celebrated Christmas this past year? Anybody? Raise your hand. What did you celebrate? You celebrate it and we sing the songs, we have the dramas, we have the plays. Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That means God came to earth to dwell among men. So the truth is that he actually had a purpose and he had a plan. 
And his plan was to get to this very point. The king is coming. The king is coming to town, and he's fulfilling the very purpose that he came for. He said, uh, the angel told uh, Joseph, and Mary knew this, his name shall be called Jesus because he will do what? He will save his people from their sin. We know that to be true from the word of God. That was his whole purpose for coming. That was his whole purpose for his name. And now when Jesus comes just prior, just shortly prior to the triumphal entry, we have here in Luke 19, he comes across, there's the crowd of people. Why are the crowds coming? We preach through the book of Acts. We should know this by now. We're cruising through the book of John. We took a break from John, even though we pick back up in John today. Why are the crowds of Jewish men and people coming? There's a big Jewish holiday. John takes us through all the holidays, uh, festivals, I should say, and the special celebrations. There's only three that are required annually, and one of the three are coming up. What is the, if you will, the festival, the holiday, the celebration coming up? It was the Passover. The Bible tells us so, that it's the week before the Passover. All the Jewish men are coming. Could be millions of people coming to town. They're coming through a certain path. If they come from Europe, they're coming from all different uh, places. It's coming home uh, for the Passover. If you're not sure what the Passover is, you need to go back and read the book of Exodus. You can get a good story from the Word of God about Exodus. But listen what Jesus says about himself. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man himself has come to do what? Church, what does it say in your Bible? To seek and to save that which was lost. Is that the very mission that was given to him at his birth? Well, before his birth, we know he came in flesh. He's always existed. But when he came to earth, he shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And when he's a grown man, when he's getting ready to come to town, when he's celebrating with lost people and they've now been saved, Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, how many people are lost on the planet during this day? Every person except for Jesus, right? Jesus has no sin. Every person's lost that he was speaking to. And when we read this text that's some 2,000 years old, how many people are lost today that read the text? Everyone, all, for the Bible says in Romans 6.23, or 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you're in Asia, Europe, if you're in Africa on the continent, it doesn't matter if you're in North America, South America, it doesn't matter where you are, we all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Is that true from the Word of God? Is that true from your personal experience? Are you a sinner? Do you sin? God would not allow sin into heaven. So he has to make a way for us, and this was part of God's will, part of God's plan, was to make the way, and he sent his son, and really and truly he sent himself to this earth that we might be saved. Well, let's continue. Let's, I want you to see that, to go back over to verse 28, if you would. When he had said this, he went ahead going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he drew near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent, sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, and whereas you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. And you might say, well, I read Matthew. There's two donkeys. And I'm going to tell you one of the points today. I'll go ahead and give it ahead before we get there. It's not about the donkeys. Amen? It's not about the donkeys. But So could there be one when there's two? Yes, it's part of point of view and leading of the Holy Spirit and getting the information written down. Verse 32, so those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. How did they find it, church? Just exactly as he said. Does Jesus ever make a mistake? He cannot because he is God. 
But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought to him, they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. Other gospels say Jesus sat on the colt. One gospel says Jesus sat on both the donkeys. What happened? Answer is yes. The scripture says so. Therefore, you say, well, I need to see it to believe it. Well, you'll never become a Christian. You'll never come to a full understanding of the word of God because it is by faith that we're saved, right? God's grace is showered on us, and then by faith we trust him. We put into his word. Verse 37, then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, he's coming down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Let's pray together. Father God, as we read your word today, Lord, we're mindful that you're in charge of all things. You're the creator of all creation. Father, when you talk about stones crying out, so many scholars will say, well, we don't actually think the rocks would actually praise you. But Lord, your word says creation praises you. And Lord, we hear it when we hear the birds sing. Matter of fact, you tell us to look at the birds of the air who don't sow or reap. And our Heavenly Father cares for them. Lord, how much greater are you to us and we to you because you've died on the cross for our sins that we might be saved. While we were Valueless, Lord, you thought we were valuable. Father, you did something that only you can do, and you made a way where there was no way to redeem us that we might be with you forever. Lord, with all of our heart today, we want to tell you that we love you. Bless the reading of your word and the preaching today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, look at your notes. Well, you don't have notes. I, the notes, I, I'm usually giving you notes. Let me tell you this. From, we are grateful to God how he inspired ordinary men to write extraordinary story of the Savior and Lord, aren't you? This is word of God from average man, a sinful man who's been saved. As a matter of fact, John records, if you go back and read John's account there in John 12, 12 through 19, John says even the disciples did not understand everything that's going on. Does that find, you find comfort in that, that knowing these men who were called, handpicked by Jesus, are walking with him, they've gone to get a donkey like he said, and they've seen the thing with Zacchaeus that he said. They've seen the healings. They've seen the miracles. And they've seen the feeding of the 5,000. They've seen a lot of stuff up to this point. And he said so and they did so. But when it comes to him riding, coming down off the Mount of Olives, and he's standing there overlooking the, the valley, looking towards Jerusalem. He's ascending, going up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is on a hill. He's going up and people are celebrating, shouting, Hosanna, son of David. They're shouting from the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. We'll read that if we have time today. They're going back fulfilling the very prophecy because God always keeps his word. God knew what he was talking about. Zechariah was written some 500 years before Jesus came to this earth, even though Jesus has always existed. Zechariah said it some 500 years before it actually happened to the T that the king would come riding on a donkey. The donkey was the way that the Jewish the Hebrews would actually celebrate and bring in their king. They've done it in First and Second Kings. You can look it up. They would bring in their king on a donkey. The Romans would use, as Christian talked about, a steed, a majestic horse with his army. The, 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 the centurion or whoever might come in would come in proudly, not humbly. Jesus comes in humbly riding a donkey. 
Well, I want you to see this also in Zechariah 9, 9 through 10. It talks about the brightness, the light that comes. And it's kind of amazing when we sing holy, holy, holy this morning that the light and the power comes back on. That the Lord, I, I was just praying, Lord, if you, want to, if you want me to preach really loud, my voice is about gone from whatever allergies or whatever I had down at the beach. Um, I'm going to have to do it loud. You've got to give me power. So he gave me power. Isn't it amazing this morning? I'm thankful that the answer is even prayers that we care about. We understand it takes the Holy Spirit of God and the whole counsel of God to help us understand his plans and purposes. His disciples, they didn't understand everything. Can you imagine the conversations? I hope that we have, I know we're going to be perfect and redeemed when we get to heaven. We'll be glorified bodies. But I hope we have to have an opportunity to share some of our doubts and some of our fears maybe. Hey, when, when I read that in the book of John, John, I want to tell you, brother, it just brought comfort to me. I know the Lord gave it to you, but it brought comfort to me that you're right there in the middle of the scene, and you didn't know what was going on. You just did what everybody else was doing. You were compelled by the Holy Spirit to do something, and you did something, and you didn't know exactly what was going on until his death, burial, and then his resurrection. Then the Bible says it was made clear. Who was it made clear by? If you have people say, well, I don't understand the Bible, and this is what we always are clear about if you don't understand the Bible. Let me just set this straight for today on this resurrection power and purpose. Does God want you to fully understand his word? Except for the things he says, it's a mystery and that's been closed up. What do people dwell on most in our life? The mystery. What's the mystery? I, I want to I guess what the mystery is. What's the, what's the thorn in Paul's flesh? I, I want to tell you what I think it is. I'm not sure. No one knows. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Well, we're not really sure, but this is who we think it is. We want to mess around with the stuff that we have no business messing around with because the Lord's already said it's sealed up. It's a mystery. I'm not going to tell you. Therefore, you're not going to know. What should we spend our time on? 99.9% .9 of the scripture that God reveals to us Somebody might say, I don't understand the scripture. If you don't understand the scripture, I can tell you several things. Here's the diagnosis. I'm not a doctor, but I'll write you a prescription, okay? Here we go. If you don't understand the scriptures, number one, you're probably not reading the scriptures. Amen? That was very quiet, so that's evident, right? Number two, if you are reading the scriptures and you don't understand them, there's something that's wrong. There's something stopping you from understanding. The Bible says that you cannot understand the supernatural scriptures of God as a natural man or woman, meaning if you're not a Christian, if you're not a blood-bought saint of the living God, the scriptures make no sense to you at all. It's just an old, archaic text that you'll read and it says, oh, I understand this happened. I, I get the donkey part. I get the celebration part. But what does it mean? I don't understand any of this, what it means. If you don't have an understanding of what the Word of God means, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will be your teacher if you're a believer today. Yes, we have pastors, and our job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Yes, we had Bible study this morning during Catalyst. Yes, it's the Bible study teachers' opportunity to teach you. Yes, we sing songs, but you have to have come to a personal understanding that Jesus Christ wants to save your soul. That's what the Resurrection Sunday is about. That's what Triumphal Entry is about. It's about Jesus Christ coming to die for sinners. Not just to die, but to be raised again. And who raised him from the dead? God raised him from the dead. And he's alive forevermore. And the Bible says if you believe that, if you, if you confess Jesus Christ with your mouth, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, with that belief you shall be what? Saved. That means sealed by God. The Holy Spirit has taken over. He takes ownership of you again. He's redeemed you and brought you back. Well, here we come into the triumphal entry. The disciples are confused. We get the picture. Have you ever been confused? I'm not sure what's going on. You ever been a part of that? Yeah. Go to Six Flags. Go to a theme park, right? 
You just see people, people start cheering, you know, what happened? And we're always looking, trying to find out where the action's at. They're in the middle of the action. They still don't know what's going on. But I want you to understand this. If you don't understand the word of God, you might not be saved. You might be a church member. You might be a Baptist. You might be a Methodist. Fill in the titles. But if you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, listen, you won't ever understand the word of God. It'll just be a textbook, a boring book of these and thous that you don't understand. You'll, you'll write it off and excuse it just like the people who are standing in the very presence of God. They're walking and cheering on God in flesh. And yet they miss it. Some miss it, some get it. Well, let me tell you what Jesus' triumphal entry is not. If you take notes, this is what it is not. It's not just a historical narrative for theological debate. It's not just for preachers and theologians to sit around and say, hey, this is what I believe, this is what I believe. Can you read this story and get different beliefs? I'd like you to do this. Google, if you will, just Google the triumphal entry. And you'll be amazed at what you receive from Wikipedia and all the other places you'll go back and read. And scholars say, well, they just wanted to be evangelical, so therefore they made their story sound similar. They'll do everything they can to excuse it away. Here's the deal. you got to put your faith fully in a God that we trust, a perfect God. So it's not just a historical narrative for theological debate. What is it not also? It's not about a donkey. I told you that, right? Don't get into a debate. How many churches spend several hundred, even a thousand dollars to have it in live plays? They'll bring donkeys all over the place. They'll have people walking around scooping up donkey poo-poo, right? And they'll have donkey diapers. They'll have everything in the church trying to display, which is good for outdoors, but in the church, I'm not sure there's a 100% place for that. It's not about the donkey. Amen? I understand the triumphal entry. I understand dramatizing it so we can understand but we spend more emphasis on donkeys many times and the animals and the kids are attracted by all the lore of all the other stuff instead of the main thing. And we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ. So as we, it's not about the donkey. It's not about a feel-good children's story. So many people next week, church will be almost maxed out. People will be watching. People will be in churches in all different places. And we've talked about those folks. We call them CEOs, Christmas, Easter, and other special occasion people. They come in because grandma wants them to come. They got a new shirt. They got a new dress. Uh, there's a reason that we come because it's the thing we do because that's what we're supposed to do this Sunday because it's Easter Sunday. It's not just about a good story. Uh, that's a nice children's story of Easter eggs and all the things. It's not about that. It's about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just a feel-good children's story. Well, the triumphal entry is not a nice once upon a time tale. Once upon a time, there was this man who rode on a donkey. That's not what it's about. There's power in this triumphal entry. Jesus is saying, I am now the king. We'll see what it is instead of what it's not. And one last thing, it's not. It's not God playing games people play. People will play religious games today. Uh, They'll talk about theology. They'll want to come to the place. They'll scramble the eggs and say, hey, you can talk about God, but let's leave Jesus out of it. Or they'll use Jesus' name in a perverted way. They'll come to the place and say, listen, this doesn't matter to me because I'm not interested. And brothers and sisters, there were some people standing right in the very face of God who were not interested this day in anything Jesus had to say. As a matter of fact, Jesus, just prior to this, has raised Lazarus from the dead. Do you know what the leaders are doing, the Pharisees, the people who are the theologians of the day? What are their plans? He just raised a man from the dead who's been dead for four stinking days. Why do I say stinking days? Because his sister said, Lord, he stinks, right? We used to joke saying the King James says he stinketh just because it's a fun word to say. He stinks because he's been dead. And what does God, uh, Jesus do? He raises him from the dead. 
All the people are coming to town. It's happening. All the multitudes are hearing. Did you hear he raised a dude over in Bethany? He raised him from the dead. The guy's been dead. We went to his funeral. He was a good guy in town. We went to his funeral. He was the only protector. His two sisters lived with him. He was the only man making money so that they could live. Now he's dead. They're probably not going to live either. And Jesus was only a couple miles away. He could have come over that same day and raised him. But he let him lay there dead. The story's out. The crowds are, are buzzing. They're coming back in. This is not the first time they've heard of Jesus. Remember, how many times have they come to town that Jesus has been messing around around the temple? Remember the Pharisees and leaders as we go through the book of John? John tells us he came upon this festival. He came upon this festival. And you think of millions of people hearing the gospel over and over and over again for at least that three-year period. They've heard it. Hey, is that that... Is that the guy who, 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 who's the Messiah? The guy who's healing all these people? The guy who's doing the miracles? Oh, that's him. And dude, he just, he just brought somebody back from the dead. Would y'all go see somebody that just brought somebody back from the dead? If it was legit, you got the obituary, you were there, you checked the guy's pulse, he was dead for a long time, you saw him wrap his body up, stick him in a tomb, put the rock into place, and then all of a sudden they said, roll the rock back, and he says, Lord, he stinks. Even his sisters don't want to open the, on the if you will, the cave would you go see that man? Well, some of you are fools. You didn't shake your head like this. I'd go see that man because I want to know what power he has because there's something about him that's supernatural. That's not natural to raise somebody from the dead. Well, the multitudes are hearing. It's spreading like wildfire. And here comes Jesus. Let me tell you what the triumphal entry is all about. The triumphal entry is all about the king of the universe taking charge and presenting his will to his people. And really, it's all the people. Because do you have a copy in your Bible that says the same thing I just read from my Bible? The Lord Jesus Christ is trying to tell you he's the king of glory. Amen? He told those people, they, they saw him do these things. They heard the things that were being said of him. And the people were shouting because they wanted a political king. They were tired of taxes. Sound like us today? They were tired of Rome. They wanted to, they wanted to back away. It used to be when King David ruled us. We want, to, we want the freedom of when King David ruled or King Saul. And what happened when they got an earthly king? The Lord warned them, if you get an earthly king, he's going to tax you. He's going to take your children. He's going to take your property. The king has to have wealthy stuff because he's the king. Let me be your king. No, we don't, we want, we don't want you just as king. We want an earthly king. And now here comes Jesus as the Messiah. He's got power. He can feed you for free. He can bring your loved ones back from the dead. He can heal sickness and disease. He can cast out demons at his voice, at his name. I want to have some of that. I want him to be the king. And they even tried before to make him the king. Well, he'll never play games that people play. Jesus will only be presented as king right here, right now. They wanted to make him king because they would feed them free lunch. Amen? We read the story previously. Now he's coming in and saying, now I'm going to present myself as the Messiah and as the true king of kings as he comes into town. So the king of the universe, he's taking charge and presenting his will to his people. Some people say, I just want to do the will of God. Have you ever heard people say that? Have you ever said that? I just want to do God's will. Who's ever said, y'all look at me like you're quiet. I know the sound, test one too, was the sound working? How many of you want to do the will of God? You're a foolish person if you don't want to do the will of God. So the question is, I told you when I was a kid, I used to hear preachers, my dad preached, oh, you must do the will of God. And I'm like, what is it? It's like it was always that carrot that you just couldn't get. What is the will of God? It's out there somewhere. What is it? It's like a mystery. 
And then I realized the will of God, I told you, is like a kaleidoscope. It's multifaceted. It's multicolored. It's multiple things. It is, the will of God is that we all must be saved, right? To enter the kingdom of heaven. It is God's will that we preach the gospel to the nations. It's the will of God that we actually read his word and grow in faith. It's the will of God that we follow as believers in baptism. God's will is so broad. It's not just a one time, one thing. This is the will of God that the king would come in on the donkey, just as Zechariah had said, fulfilling prophecy and being the king of the universe. Well, what was the triumphal entry about? It was also about exposing the spiritual blindness of willful unbelief. Do you know people in your family and your friends, maybe you're that person, you willfully will not believe. You've heard this story 30 times and you say, listen, but you don't understand my situation. You don't know how I was raised. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know my background. Here's the question, does Jesus, does he know all about you? He, the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head and I told you it's getting easier because if you're, not, if you're just seeing me for the first time, the kids raised enough money to shave my head for the American Heart Association, so I thought I'd shave it again to get some sun on it, and it didn't work. My oldest son saw me and says, Dad, you gotta do something. I don't know what that something is, but I gotta do something. But the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows when you were born. He, matter of fact, he knows your death date. Did you know that? He knows everything about you. He knows you're good, you're bad, you're ugly, you're sad. He knows everything, and yet he loves you. And he gives, just like he gave these people, that opportunity to receive. I'm coming in as the king of the universe. This is God's will. This is my will that you might be saved. Yes, I'm headed to death. He knew in just one short week that he's going to die, right? Less than a week. He's going to die on a cross. He knew the exact way. He knew how many pounds of the nails would pound him to the cross. He knew the spear in his side. It was prophesied. He knew the crown of thorns on his head. He knew everything because he's God. Yet he did it anyway because he loved you. And because he loved me. He had a plan for your life. He had a plan for my life. Well, why is this triumphal entry important? As we read in Scripture, it was the revealing of the amazing Messiah, Jesus Christ. The Jewish people, since the prophets had said it, were looking for the day that the king would come. The Messiah is the Jewish king, by the way. That's what the Messiah is. He's the Savior King. And that's when they're shouting, Save now, Hosanna! Save now! Get us out from under Rome! Not get us into heaven. So many of us are focused on the here and now. And we talk about this in our Christian school that we have here. People want to get their kids into Harvard and miss heaven. You want your kid highly educated. You spend all this money and all this time and effort. You got to get good grades. You got to get good grades. You got to be the best at sports. You got to be the best musician. Be the best dancer. Be the best this so that you can achieve because you're going to do great things in life. And we leave out God. There is no way, there is no way to spend all your time traveling, doing whatever traveling you're doing, and to put God first. There's no way to do it. And Derek did some traveling. We, we talked about, we wanted to start a chaplain ministry, and Derek picked it up. And I said, listen, we're going to flip this thing because I don't believe this is what God intended for the church. We have billions and billions of dollars of church buildings. Do you read of any right here, right now? None. I believe God intended for us to go. Now, there's times and places for us to meet because they, were, they met in synagogues. They met in places. There, there's a place to meet. But billions of dollars of church buildings, bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger, I don't believe that's what God intended. I believe God intended for us to come and then go, come and go. And house to house, I'm not sure how it is supposed to be exactly, 
But you read through the scriptures, you'll never find the church building. They meet in borrowed synagogues. They meet in places. There's the church of Jerusalem. There's other churches, the church of Ephesus. There's building places to meet. But just to continue to build and add on and add on and add on, I think we should multiply, multiply, multiply. Amen? But who's the people that's supposed to multiply? Watch this. If I'm preaching here, who's supposed to multiply somewhere else? Who is it? Raise your hand. It's your job. It's your responsibility. You've got to preach and teach the gospel. If you're, if you're a Christian, you're a minister of the gospel. It is your responsibility to tell this story 30 times from now, right? 30 more years. It's your job to tell it in the schools. It's your job to tell it in your workplace. It's your job to tell it to your friends. It's your job to tell it to your family because, listen, it's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is but one way to heaven, and Jesus was showing us, listen, I am the Messiah. I'm the amazing king of Israel that was planned, that I said I was coming, and I came. Well, it's also about God fulfilling Old Testament prophecies because God keeps his word. Say that with me today. God keeps his word. Say it with me. God keeps his word. No matter what your situation, you're going to face something today or tomorrow, next week, next month. You'll face a hurt, a sadness, a death, your loss of income. You'll face something And I want you to remember God loves you and he always keeps his word. He said, I'll see you through. He's God who keeps us. You say, well, I knew somebody that believed that and he died. Did God keep his word? Absent from the body? Present with the Lord. He keeps his word. We can't lose. We can't lose. Well, God was also demonstrating his wonderful grace and mercy. I think if we could just get a glimpse of God's grace, we would change everything. God giving us a gift He's giving these Jewish people, if you will, he's giving the Pharisees who didn't believe, he's giving everyone an opportunity. Take a look. Here comes the Messiah. I am who I said was coming. I am the one who created your face. I created your hands, your limbs. I created everything about you. I created your soul that you might spend eternity with me. I am your heavenly Father. Listen, I want to be with you. I am your God. I said I was coming, and here I am. And they rejected him. You'll see that the Pharisees, they turned from him. Now, I was going to set up some tables because y'all know my nature is a little rambunctious. I was going to set up some tables with some nice offering plates. I was going to set up some nice pottery and come up here and just kick everything over. I even thought, how can I go get some pigeons and doves and let them go inside the church? But I, was, I didn't know how we'd get them out of here, so I didn't go do that. But I wanted to kick everything over because if you follow Jesus, he didn't just come passively riding in. The Pharisees says, tell them to stop praising you. He comes right into the temple, which is his headquarters right here on earth. And he walks in, he flips the tables, he throws the money changers out, he flips the the doves and the pigeons, he runs everybody else and says, this is my father's house. This shall be called a house of prayer. You've turned into a den of thieves. How many churches today have turned the church house into a den of thieves? Let's do it for profit. Let me look good. Buy me a new suit. Buy me a new car. Some preachers are so foolish, they're saying buy me a new plane because it's the will of God. Don't bite. Don't drink the juice because I'm telling you, it's poisonous. Amen? Amen. What was this about? It was also setting God's stage for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus knew Friday was coming. Some people say, I don't believe it was a good Friday. I believe it was a good Thursday. No, it's Maldi Thursday. No, it's, uh, listen, and everybody argues about when. Here's the, here's the good news. Let me just settle this for you. If you ever go back and try to count the days, somebody says, well, the Hebrew day starts at 6 p.m. and at 6 a.m., that's, you know, it goes the opposite way we do it, so not, not American time. Listen, you can sit and drink all the coffee you want to, have all the theological debates that you want to. You can waste your time doing all that. But I got news for you. He rose again on Sunday morning. Amen? So you want to take Sunday, you want to take three days, back it up. Start at Sunday. 
Amen? You want to get the Jewish calendar? Do it, but start with Sunday. Don't start trying to figure out beforehand. Start on Sunday, because that's the day that he rose again. That's why we call it the Lord's Day. Amen? That's why we're sitting here on this day, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, because he rose again on Sunday. Try it again. He rose again on Sunday. Maybe if I putt, limit, he rose again on Sunday. Right? We care more about stinking stupid golf than we do about the Lord Jesus Christ. So many times, you say, well, I don't know, that's not true. How many of you spent more than five hours, don't raise your hand. How many of you spent more than five hours watching the game or watching on TV or going to the course trying, hey, you know anybody with tickets? Y'all know anybody with tickets? Hey, Clint, you live in, I get phone calls from all over. Hey, Clint, I know you live in Aiken. I know some people that actually connected to the, to the golf course. You, can you give me some tickets? People are so hard to get into the stinking golf club and watch a golf game than they are to get their kids into heaven. Hey, can you, can you come talk to my kids about Jesus? Man, would you, just, would you just come, can you just give up Saturday? Can you just come give me in, give me time in? Can you just show me how to, to tell my kids? About, can you show me how the, what the Roman road is? I'm a new Christian. It's not, it's focused on here and now, not the hereafter. We need to do both. And nothing wrong with golf, nothing wrong with the masters enjoying it. But when the masters overrides the master, something's wrong with you. Amen? Lastly, proving he is king of kings and lord of lords. He didn't need to prove himself, but did he prove himself? Without a shadow of doubt. Because the Pharisee said, you stop this now. When the Pharisee told an average man or woman, you stop this now, guess what they had to do? Stop it now. When they told Jesus, you stop this now, guess what he did? If I stop it now, my creation is going to cry out. The rocks are going to cry out. And so I even read this. Somebody says, do you actually think the rocks would actually cry out? I do. I believe it would be the king had come to town. There'd be some rocking and rolling going on, right? I believe the rocks would have cried out. But they couldn't help it because they were compelled by Because our human nature, every single human on the planet was designed to worship. We were designed to worship him truly. But we fill it with other things. Because then with other things. TikTok. Right? Social media. What makes me feel good? What makes me laugh? What makes me keep that cheery attitude? Food, whatever it might be, fill it in. We try to fill that void, and we're all looking for the same thing. And that is true worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. These people had God right in their midst. The disciples had Jesus right in their midst. They're actually going and doing what he said to do. The very thing he said was going to happen, happened. And they're heading to Jerusalem. He talks about his death, burial, and resurrection. And they didn't quite understand it until he was risen again. Well, the common thing for us to see is how Jesus' disciples, they didn't understand it. And they didn't know what was happening. They just participated. Can that be so in the church sometimes? Can you just come to church and just participate? The good thing is the Holy Spirit guided them through that they might see and open their eyes. And they would go, oh, we understand the whole thing now. They look back as a historical narrative, if you will, just a short time. They look back a week plus. We're looking back 2,000 years plus. We've heard it so many times. Can we go numb and say, that's enough for me. I've heard that. I know the story. Go back and read these passages again. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Mark 11, 1 through 11. Luke 19, 28 through 48. And John 12, 12 through 19. Those are all the gospel records of the triumphal entry. Jesus was heading to his plan. The Jewish leadership, they refuse to believe it today. Guess where they are? If the Bible's true, where are all those Jewish Pharisees today? The ones that didn't believe. 
Don't like to talk about that, do we? They're sitting and languishing in hell forever. They're there. They've been there for 2,000 years, a place of torment. They will never come out except to be brought before the great white throne judgment and cast into the lake of fire. There is no end game for them today. Well, the power's coming back on more. Jesus is God. He did not wait for people to okay his plan. Could you imagine Jesus going today and saying, hey, what's your vision for the church? If you've ever been in ministry, that's the first thing many people when a new pastor comes, hey, pastor, what's your vision for the church? Anybody ever asked that question or, or asked the question of a pastor or a candidate? When I can't hear the service, what's your vision of the church? I'm like, I don't have one. They're like, what? I said, I don't have one. I said, but God does, right? What's God's vision for the church? Get off the pews and get into the community and go tell the world about Jesus Christ. Come here, get equipped. Get equipped for the work of the what? Ministry. Our job is to come get equipped and go do the work. We have a garden. Have y'all seen the garden out here? We're plowing up the Victor Garden. The school's going to participate in that. If you're a church member or a guest and you'd like to, you have a green thumb and you'd like to help us this week, we're going to be planting the garden this week. Now we're going to be putting all kinds of different plants in. Jeremiah's given us a ton of tomatoes and whatnot over there in the green room back over here. There's a lot of things going in the garden. But here's the deal. If you don't plant, you don't get to eat, okay? Just, we're doing a First Thessalonians kind of thing. No, I'm just kidding. It's a school project. We're just trying to actually build it in to actually show that, listen, we, we've tripled the size this year. Uh, the Griffiths let us use their tractors to come in and plow. It's been a lot of work, and we've got to do it again because of the heavy rains, and we're going to plant this week. What's our end game? What's the result? Have a pretty garden? No. Uh, to grow plants? No. What's the end game? To have the fruit that comes from working in the garden. And that's what our goal is in the gospel. Why do we preach? Why do we teach? Why do we train? Why do we have discipleship? Is it so that we will produce fruit and then much fruit because we're hooked into the vine? Let's finish this out. The reality is when God reveals himself, you will either choose to accept him or you'll choose to reject him. There is no middle ground with Jesus Christ. The old cartoon either you is or you ain't. You're either on board with Christ or you're not. So the question, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Only you know. Your mama can't do it for you. Your daddy can't do it for you. You have to come to the place that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. If you confess with your mouth, listen, and you believe in your heart, the Bible says you're what? Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You must call upon the name of the Lord in order to be saved. In order to understand this, you must say, oh, I get it now. He was fulfilling the will of God. He was God. And finally, do you faithfully follow him daily if you are a Christian? Have you given your life and said, listen, I want to dedicate, no matter what your profession is, I want to dedicate my life to always living for Christ. As a student, as a college student, as an adult, as a working adult, senior adult, retired, wherever you find yourself, I want to give my all for Jesus Christ. The triumphal entry, you can read all the details. There's a lot of facts in the Gospels about it. But listen, the main fact, the main detail is the fruit that comes out of the triumphal entry, which leads to the death, burial, and resurrection. Resurrection Sunday's next week. And it's not just a day. It's not just an event. Get this in your mind because we changed it. We call it Easter Sunday. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. It's not, a, it's not a big issue for me. But we've changed it to a day. And the resurrection is a person. Because when, when Mary and Martha ran up to Jesus and said, listen, if you'd been here, Lazarus, he wouldn't have died. Do you believe in the resurrection? Jesus asked her. She said, yes, I know we'll be raised again. 
She was talking about an event of her body. I know there'll be a resurrection. And what did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and life. I am the resurrection. So it's not just a day. That's why it's careful. Don't let everybody steal the term Easter and just make it a day, an event. It is resurrection Sunday because we serve and love the resurrection, the, the resurrected one, Jesus Christ. So don't let that escape this Sunday as you say, oh, it's Easter Sunday. What are you going to wear to church? You can call it Easter, but don't forget. Choose to call it around the dinner table. Choose to call it out that it's Resurrection Sunday. And did you know, kids, that Jesus is the resurrection? He said so. And show them the scripture where he said it because he never lies. He always tells the truth. Let's close in prayer today. Father God, as we get ready to sing and invite our family and friends to, to Lord, make a decision to follow you, I, pr- I pray that you would actually work in hearts, young hearts, teenagers' hearts, senior adult hearts, Lord, all of us would not just hear a story today, but hear the Savior and see the Savior riding in. People shouting Hosanna because they wanted something from him. And all he wants from the people and from us today is for us to confess him as Lord and to put him first in our life. Receive him as our Lord and Savior so that we might be cleansed from our sins and live with you forever. Lord, help us be the people of God you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.